Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Scene Podcast. I'm Jeremy Safran. TGSP is the top global cannabis podcast. Everyone has questions and we'll cover the stories that matter and showcase the guests who make a difference. Today on the show, what's in today's cannabis? So there are things that will make the plant grow bigger and faster, but they're really intended for ornamental plants, not for human consumption type products. And we've told you about the pot products recalled over pesticide levels. Well, now the governor says pot treated with pesticides is a threat to public safety. But our three-month investigation found evidence that a lot of the pot legally sold is laced with toxic pesticides that when smoked or inhaled, could make you very sick. We speak to the president of the Green Organic Dutchman, Chaba Ryder. We talk to them about their business model and the organic cannabis space. We then talk to master grower David Perrin. It's pesticide-free organic growing, and I can't stress that enough. I'm not saying that conventional products are not good, but there is this premium and quality that we've been able to uh, express. A brand new regulated industry is upon us, and that leaves a lot of questions. We wanted to find out more about pesticides and cannabis. NBC News reported 93% of cannabis from Southern California failed tests for pesticides. We called up Dr. Jeff Faber of The Workshop in Pasadena, California. He co-authored a study about smoking cannabis with pesticides in it. I've got a bachelor's in biochemistry and a PhD in organic chemistry from the University of Southern California. And in 2008, my brother was working at a construction company and asked to build a storefront dispensary. And that was how I became aware of medical cannabis and its uses. So how is cannabis tested? Well, Jeff says just like any other plant. Yeah, we use the same equipment that any pharmaceutical or dietary supplement company would use. We use a, a litany of analytical um, tools from an HPLC to a GC. Those are high-performance liquid chromatography or gas chromatography, um, as well as a number of detection methods from UV to FID to mass spectrometry-based methods as well. Um, doctors and, and the regulators have said this is a product that should be tested uh, properly for both uh, content, potency, and potential contaminants. And I think a lot of people are really starting to see the value and benefits of that as well as understanding how it can protect against public health and safety. The question is, what is safe for consumption? A pesticide, or cultivating agent, as Dr. Faber calls it, may be okay on an apple, but that doesn't make it okay to smoke or consume. Dr. Faber says that smoking these types of chemicals could change the profile. We use the word pesticide, I'd say generically in that case. It covers all things that you might put on the plant for any reason to cultivate. So I, I like to use the term cultivating agent. It's whatever else you might put on there. And that can be anything from a pesticide to a fungicide, insecticides, rodenticides, herbicides, or even plant growth regulators. So there are things that will make the plant grow bigger and faster, but they're really intended for ornamental plants, not for human consumption type products. Uh, as well as you know, I've got a pest or bug problem. Um, how do I eradicate those so they're not all over the plant product that I want to take to market in the bag? Um, but what we've looked for in that respect is uh, well over 60 different molecules. So there's a large number of them at various uh, levels because they're all different and some have different toxicity profiles than others as well. 
but it's a very difficult and technical challenge to to get that right because you're looking at small levels um, in a very complicated matrix, and every product is its own matrix. What we know about most of the pesticides are what their oral consumption toxicity profiles may look like. So a lot of the times it's if someone ingests it orally, what might you know the right amount be in that respect to still be deemed quote unquote safe, uh, which is an extrapolation often from rodent studies. So those things are typically in food and uh, our food supply, they're on our fruits and vegetables, and we've established through a lot of study what might be a safe profile so that you're really far away from where you would see problems. In terms of inhalation, we don't have any of that data yet. That was one of the reasons we published that paper, how bad are these potential cultivating agents that may be on the plant if I'm going to try and combust it and inhale it. Does most of it become, you know, the same molecule? Is it turning into different things? And how might that toxicity profile look to us? The only thing that you can look at is if there are kind of application standards for people in the fields that might be spraying them or those that manufacture large volumes, what might the inhalation limits be in some of those respects? And a lot of that data just simply doesn't exist for these compounds. It's kind of like a new use in some respects. So oral ingestions when you're eating it on your fruits and vegetables is very different in terms of what molecules are in the body at which concentrations than if you are to inhale them directly. So there, when no one was checking or overseeing any of it, it was really, how do I just bring it to market? No one's going to tell me I can't. But in the face of regulations and, and labs scrutinizing the purity of these products, you do have people that are going to say, well, I can't use those things. So I need to adopt more organic types of practices or integrated pest management and things that avoid the use of those types of cultivating agents as opposed to just going unchecked. So I think we should all kind of be welcoming regulations in that respect. It's only going to clean up the purity of the products for us. For years, the organic food trend has taken over the market. I mean, think about Whole Foods. Think about the Amazon switch. People want to know what is in their food. So will cannabis be any different? you can get independent third-party certification of some type um, that you are using organic practices in those fashions, I think it does add product quality value and gives greater assurance. Um, labs can only detect pesticide at this low amount, but that doesn't mean it was never used or isn't there. So organic certification would be we'd never put it on our products. Um, so it's not supposed to be around in any sense. And I think that's, uh, that's going to be rewarded by the consumers for sure. If you can have something that was certified to be, you know, cultivated organically, I think that would be a really wise move right now, especially as regulations are rolling out and all the labs are coming up to speed to really make sure they can do that type of testing properly. Chubba Ryder has over 35 years in the consumer product goods industry. The Green Organic Dutchman, a licensed organic producer with a facility in Ontario and one being built in Quebec, brought Chaba on to take the company to the top. Chaba says consumers will pay for a product they know hasn't been around pesticides. Well, I think it's a matter of choice for the consumer and it's a choice for patients. Uh, up to this point, they haven't had enough supply, number one. There hasn't been enough growers that have chosen that path. And I must tell you, it's a hard path to take. We have chosen it very specifically and strategically because we believe long term, five to ten years from now, the organic space, and I don't have to tell you what's going on in grocery and all the other uh, things that I was part of, especially in beverages, that consumers will pay 
for performance in a, in a beverage or an edible that has no preservatives, no artificial colors or flavors, so why would they want a pesticide-grown product infused into any drink? And when I talk about infusion is that I believe still today there's a fallacy that people that are using uh, oils today, concentrated into oil, that come from a pesticide-grown facility, uh, thinks that it's somehow gone out of it because it went to concentrate. Well, that's wrong. That's just not true. It becomes more concentrated in an oil. There will be technologies that will be coming, and I'll be part of that because that's part of the reason why I'm there, that there'll be opportunities to, with science, uh, to take it into a water-type solution because they are there are companies already in the United States that are uh, and scientists that are playing with this, that once you get it into a water solution, water-soluble, freeze-dried, and you can put it back in, you can start to control the molecule itself, and you can then dose it very, like, very, very well. So if I told you that, and you're a consumer, wouldn't you want to know that whatever you are drinking or eating came from a pesticide-free product. And having the best people surrounding how to grow organically in soil, pesticide-free, is paramount. So that, that whole initiative of how that works and how it will be accepted um, is why the gentleman beside me is here, is that he's had a huge successfully career uh, growing organically and cannabis specifically. As Chaba mentioned, the person next to him is David Perrin. Now, he has over 15 years in the greenhouse business. And over the past three years, he's been growing cannabis organically, and he's seen the results firsthand. I've been working in the industry for three years now, growing um, organically and being independent third-party um, uh, body. So we've seen such great reviews of our product by the customer. The quality of the product is there. The cleanliness of the product is there. And this is mostly important when uh, we're talking about a product that some people will vaporize on their lungs. So when we have pesticide residues uh, in, in cannabis, they will make it into your blood if you vaporize that product into your lungs. So even if it's trace amount and also those pesticide will be denatured by heat. This is what we've seen with those uh, banned fungicide. We made a lot of noise in the uh, in the industry recently to control for powdery mildew, this uh, commercial fungicide knows as Nova, which turned into cyanide when uh, you heat it up and ingest it into your lungs. So this is, especially when you're trying to heal yourself up with a medicine, you don't want that medicine to be contaminated with everything. David says the product comparison next to the conventional cannabis basically speaks for itself. It's really hard to compare the quality um, with other conventional product. I'm not saying that conventional products are not good, but there is this premium and quality that we've been able to uh, express in the plant when we're growing it into those organic system. And now if the quality in terms of essential oil, THC content, or just flavor, or a, a bud appeal, or a bag appeal, if you want of the bag, if it's, if it's not there, but you're gonna have a clean product that is pesticide-free, we can guarantee that because we're not using pesticide. But we've been able using just a, a diversity of inputs, a diversity of nutrient stuff without pesticide to maximize the genetic potential of those plants, growing them in an organic system. And, and this, the test results show it. We just released a 27.5% THC, 3.5% terpene profile plant that is fully certified organic and pesticide free. So, and we have the yield that goes with that. So it's been very interesting the Green Organic Dutchman is at the forefront of this industry, investing in the process so that they can get it right. 
Well, it's been very interesting to work with TCUD because everybody's uh, very good in their own little area of expertise. Uh, I don't know nothing about the financial side of things because I'm usually You're like the 12 hours a day in a grower and then covered in compost, and I love it, and I wouldn't change that. But being able to work with those guys and having this experience and learning from each other and listening to each other really will take TGUD to a special place, I think. And the vision that those guys have, and Chab, I've mentioned a little bit about that, is experience with uh, uh, consumers and branding and all that and when we can have a constructive discussion all together we came up with what TGUD vision will be or expansion plan in Quebec and Ontario the partnership that we're developing with our companies and research institution as well we were talking also with some universities to bring them on site with us to keep pushing that research right, and right. really to be like this spearhead of the industry. Chaba Ryder says he came to the company because they're growing pesticide-free cannabis, and he says that in this market, organic cannabis will be the differentiator. We believe if we can cover 60 to 70 percent of the Canadian market, and with our build-out, um, it exceeds almost $2 billion in sales if you built out both facilities, we have to start thinking of, of of sending product abroad and creating another footprint because this footprint that uh, we're creating, uh, and I keep forgetting to say this because I have to remind myself as how important it is for me and why I came to this company, is that it's pesticide-free organic growing. And I can't stress that enough and is gonna be important for everything we do, both in every product it, it goes into, whether it's a bud, whether it's an oil, whether it's uh, uh, edible, whether it's vaped or whatever, organic is going to be the differentiator. Now, we typically talk about cannabis being smoked or in a concentrate form. I was intrigued by Chaba's plan for the Green Organic Dutchman. Well, cannabis came to me approximately six months ago um, because I have a beverage background. I was called by a recruiter uh, from California. There were three uh, private wealthy individuals that came from Silicon Valley that were interested in the cannabis space and more particularly in uh, the liquid side, being the beverage. They wanted to understand, is there a possibility skipping all the bottom part of cannabis, being the grower and, and extractor and all those things that happen at the bottom of an ingredient to go right to the top and only use the extracted ingredient to infuse into a beverage. My history of working at COT specifically in a large manufacturing environment that when you, and specifically COT is one of the uh, premier private label uh, company on the beverage side. So private label conjures up a lot of things, but I'll tell you what it meant for our organization, even though we're a $2 billion company, is that the consumer generally believed that private label meant poor quality. So a private label company in a large organization has to strive to be the best and the lowest cost provider. They have to prove to the marketplace that they are as good as, if not better, than the brand. And that teaches you a lot about taking cost out of every portion of uh, the business. So you can translate all the Six Sigma man lean manufacturing principles that you would see in a consumer packaged goods industry and apply it to cannabis. The two largest costs inside of the cannabis industry is power and labor. So Chava says they have a plan. 
TGOD works with alliance partners who significantly cut their costs so that they can provide their high-quality product with low operating costs. Your goal is to be the lowest cost manufacturer as best as you can be. And a premier brand, you want to partner with people that have done it before or certainly have a transition into a new industry that they can take the learnings from the other industries they come from. And that's LeadCore specifically. I think they're the largest, second largest construction company in Canada. And Eaton is a global player that probably doing $25 billion a year. I don't know the number exactly, but they have experiences that can translate into low-cost efficiency. And specifically for our industry, if, we, if I just looked at the manufacturing portion, the two largest input costs to cannabis is electricity cost and labor. So those are the two important ones. So how you deal with electricity is to understand where you where you are in the province in each province specifically Ontario Hydro One has a very high industrial cost base for industry it's about 13 cents a kilowatt and that that's significant so we put our heads together and say well, how is it that we can drive this cost down and you know what came to the table with Hamilton Utility Corp Eaton uh, and ourselves, especially with my experience, is understanding that we could go to natural gas, even though we'd have to bring a pipeline in pretty close to a couple kilometers, and have natural gas engines. And those two, those two or three engines that we will have for our five megawatt power will take us from 13 cents down to approximately five cents in Ontario, below five cents. So if it doesn't sound like a lot if you just say 13 and 5 cents, but when you're using 5 megawatts of power a year, that is a lot of money. Absolutely. So now you're at the low cost base, and for a Quebec facility specifically, we look at scale. And what scale gives you is automation. Automation will start to pay back uh, once that y your input is there. Your first capex is there, it will pay back. But that threshold is about 250 to 300,000 square feet and up, where automation really takes labor costs down. So when we went to Quebec to build our business, is that Ontario Quebec represent about 62% of the Canadian uh, marketplace. And that's for any consumer package. That's just how it is. And Quebec is probably one of the lowest kilowatt per hour provinces uh, out of the gate at, say, five cents. But we went to them and said, we need more than that. We need your help. Uh, with their assistance, they found us a property that was fully serviced. And that means there was natural gas at the front of our property, which is 75 acres. There was water. <clears throat> and there was hydro within, I think, uh, five kilometers or less of 50 megawatt power for us. And, uh, and the front was zoned industrial and the back half was zoned agriculture. So a lot of things came together. And once those things came together, uh, we, they, with Hydro-Quebec and the province, we negotiated down to less than four cents a kilowatt hour. If you look at the other producers, many rely on huge funding from institutional investors who control their decisions. Something unique to the Green Organic Dutchman is that they plan to have over 4,000 individual investors who they say care about the company and they want to grow with it. Chaba also says that these people are their customers. 
Well, I think I think Rob takes most should take most of the credit for that because he envisioned a company, and that's certainly what I bought into before I signed up. Was that we wanted to be retail because every one of those retail customers will be our customer. And that's a different way of thinking. Instead of all these institutions, you have three or four institutions that can take out the round before we have 2,400. And as we progress, we will ultimately have our own patient and customer list. And it's going to come from our base. And that our base of 2,400, and I think our goal is to get another 1,400 to hit 4,000, will become our consumer. Fantastic. They will become our consumer and they'll become our biggest advocate. Because I, again, come from the consumer packaged goods industry, that if you satisfy just one person, they will only tell three people. But if you don't treat them very well with supply, and that's what the market is doing today, they will tell 14 they had a bad experience. Yeah. So we're taking a very measured approach until we come on stream to have the exact inventory so that every one of our first customers on the retail side and the patient side, we know we will always service them and we're committed to that. They will never be out of product. But that takes a plan. Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't take a knee-jerk reaction to get market share. Long term, your customers and patients are the most valuable thing a company has. Right. No different in this industry. Right. In any product we develop after that, those customers and patients will go along with you. Mm-hmm. You will never lose that customer. So you guys announced uh, another financing today, and obviously I'll put up some information on our website so you can go to the show notes. And if you do want to get involved, you can get in touch with me or sign up for more information, of course. Chaba, I appreciate your time today. Not and, a problem. And I enjoyed this. This was great. This is fun. we got to do this again. I'm thinking in a few months we need to see what you guys are up to. All right. Thank you. That's a, that's a date. Thank you for joining us on the Green Scene Podcast this week. We're excited to be with you, and don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also, as mentioned, we will have the details of this episode on our website, www.thegreenscenepodcast.com, where you can find out more about the show, you can contact me, we can get you in touch with the two guests that we just had on the show, and much more on the episode page of the show notes. 